also kind of my place because I'm now kind of part of the family. I don't know. Families are weird. It's so much. It's so like. <laughs> I I prefer friendsgivings because there's not those expectations that you have to perform a particular way. Um, mm-hmm. That you, they like, know that your friends know a more a more recent update of you. Right. Yeah. And, and there's also <laughs> yeah. like because like you said, you know, it's like you're giving given family interactions you know like sometimes you are sprung like you were for thanksgiving that that like you're just meeting a bunch of new people that are a part of a family you're like i have to make good impressions for all of these people and i have to like i have to navigate all these these things in these relationships when you're with your friends it's just you know it's like it's just a more i don't know like more ritualized more formalized hangout that you have with them instead of ordering out food it's just everybody you know everybody brings a dish and you warm it up and you eat and you just hang out and you laugh and you know it's like you don't necessarily feel weird be like oh hey guys i gotta go to bed early y'all gotta leave just get out of my house you know as opposed to family <laughs> which is like you know it's kind of a big deal to, t- <laughs> t- to kick out a parent be like go away please now i can't <laughs> i'm done with this <laughs> i love mm-hmm. you but you need to leave friends and welcome to so poetry the occasional poetry conversation podcast uh, i am your host michael zuloff and i am thrilled absolutely beside myself with excitement uh to be talking to my guest today um i guess talking to my guest again but i will get into that after introductions um the poet that i'm going to be talking to today is ashanti anderson uh, ashanti is a black queer disabled poet screenwriter and playwright uh, her debut short poetry collection, Black Under, is the winner of the Spring 2020 Black River Chapbook Competition at Black Lawrence Press. Uh, her poems have appeared in uh, World, Liter- World Literature Today, Poetry Magazine, and a bunch of other places, uh, both in print and on the web. Uh, and if you'd like to learn more about Ashanti's previous and latest shenanigans, you can check out AshantiCreates.com, which will be uh, a link in the description, along with all of the other social media stuff that Ashanti wants to add. Um, but Ashanti, welcome back to, to So Poetry. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me again. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. I, I very much appreciate you willing to talk with me again. Um, so the the reason that there's been I know that I promised that there'd be no uh, hiatuses in the near future with so poetry, but the reason that there was one throughout the month of uh, November um, is that Ashanti and I recorded a really amazing, awesome episode, and I fucking lost all of her audio. Just it just didn't record. Uh, so there is about two hours of me just talking and very long pauses between me talking, which um, is really, <laughs> really disorienting. Um, but uh, yeah, so at the I do. So we wanted to wait a little bit so that um, we wouldn't, I don't know, I guess, like try to compare contrast this record to the other recording, which has worked out because I there's only like a handful of things that I remember that we talked about, which is great. I'm excited to rediscover all this stuff. Um, but at the, at the end, um, we joked around about having Ashanti back at some point in the future. Um, 
and I just didn't realize that it would be, you know, like a month later because I fucking fucked up. <laughs> My audio got screwed up. Um, but all of that aside, um, even if the audio hadn't messed up, I'm just excited to talk to Ashanti again because I really enjoyed our conversation last time. Um, and I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm really excited to sort of re-unearth the things that we talked about and just have new things to talk about. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I, all that to, to be said, and I, I've thanked you before, but I thank you again so much for, for agreeing to do this again. Um, I know that. Oh, yeah, no problem. And, and likewise, you know, well, let me say now for the, uh, patron saints of the, um, audio, <laughs> you know, I hope I, I hope I'm, I'm never on this, on this podcast again. Um, I'm just kidding. Of course, of course, but <laughs> I, I just have to say it because I don't know what's happening out there in the world. Um, I have no idea what happened last time, but um, luckily uh, it was a pleasure talking with you and I uh, don't mind doing it again. So here we are. Here we are indeed. Um, okay. So I, I do, I, one of the things that I, I remember um, from last episode is that we didn't spend a ton of time talking about your, your collection, and I would like to rectify that this go around. But before we get into that, I do, there are some just sort of general poetry-ish questions that I, I like ask, asking my, my guests. Um, so the first one is, um, how did poetry happen for you? Like what? What was? What is your? I guess like in as abbreviated of a terms as you'd like to to give. Um, sort of your process with discovering poetry and sort of being. Uh, I don't know. Like your journey from discovering poet to acknowledging yourself as or d your discovery of poetry and then to your acknowledgement of yourself like as a poet. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I'll start off by saying that. I remember approximately 0% of what I said the last oh, time we talked. So if some treasure Island type of thing happens and somebody discovers this, um, you know, million dollar footage and it contradicts, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm in a, I'm presently in a state of rapid growth and development. So, um, bear with me. I'm not lying to anybody. I just, <laughs> I just say one thing and then I wake up the next day and it's like, um, you know, it's, it's coming to fruition and, and I have to go back to the drawing board. So, oh, yeah. but this is, this is life history here. So hopefully I didn't put too much of a spin on it. <laughs> well, I mean, whenever, whenever I'm confronted, cause I, 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 there are so many times that I've had conversations with people that like they remember and will come, you know, bring things that I said to them like a month or two later. I'm like, I have no recollection of that. Um, so I, I always, uh, tried out the the Walt Whitman line that you know I contain multitudes I'm 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 contain contradictions it's fine it we're complex complicated creatures that are subject to our own faults as memory is so it, it's it's fine your 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 history is a memory is a living organism anyway so it, it's subject to change <laughs> oh yeah definitely and that's actually a very interesting and unintentional segue into kind of how i hmm. um how i discover poetry or how poetry discovered me um because i actually um didn't really care anything about poetry until i was in undergrad um which i consider 
a little late to be interested in a thing, especially because I am a person who has a lot of interest. So to me, <laughs> I'm like, oh, like, why wasn't I into sooner? Like I, I had so many hobbies that I no longer care about. Um, but that's just kind of how it turned out. I, I was taking a, a poetry class um, because I, I, I needed an elective. I knew I wanted, I, I knew I was interested in creative writing. I had taken everything else <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess I'll give this a shot. And um, I just read things that blew my mind. And, uh, and that's, that's been, I've taken off from there. I, I was a, I graduated in with a degree in psychology mm -hmm. and I was doing a lot of research. I thought I was going to get a PhD in psychology. Um, and I was studying things like memory and um, specifically, I was a research assistant for um, someone who was studying Alzheimer's patients, studying the effects of music and memory. It was very interesting wow. stuff. Um, and then on for the projects that I was leading myself, I was looking at things like um, domestic violence and and um, liter childhood literacy, different different like issues. So I was like heavily like my my cv was a little ambitious <laughs> for someone for someone at, at, of my age and i don't say that to brag i say that just to say like i was um a complete overachiever um so then to turn around and say you know i'm not gonna get a phc in psych i'm i'm going to instead get an mfa mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was, that was when I, that's when I said I was, I was a poet to myself, um, wow. which was a pretty fast turnaround. <laughs> um, and it's, it's funny. Cause I don't know. I don't know if you've, if you've heard the joke, um, what does the lesbian bring to the second date? <laughs> I have not heard this joke. Um, a U-Haul. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was kind of like that for for mm -hmm. me in poetry. It was like I I just read poems that I loved and I was enamored with, and I was like, I love you. I want I want you to be in my life forever. Mm -hmm. uh, let's go get married. And um, <laughs> it was probably about a one school year, maybe one and a half. Wow. Um, and I was I was going to get an MFA in poetry, and shortly after that, here is is Black Under. Wow. So so it's really so it's been. A relatively like short-ish, uh, not career. I, that's that always feels weird when talking about like creative endeavors. But just like exposure to and uh, I guess like living or the embodiment of like being poet 
a poet and dealing with poetry. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like this question because it's very specific because I, I sometimes get asked, you know, how long have you been a writer? And I'm like, who? That's that's <laughs> that's a very general statement. I've been a writer for literally as long as I could write. Um, wow. And I have memories of that. So, you know, I like this question because it's it really kind of shows like what what that looks like I don't know like if there's if there's some kind of foundation for for writing you know it seems at least for me it was a thing that was always there but something that for a very long time I was I considered you know that other thing or Mm -hmm. you know that hobby or that you know side project or that after retirement project (laughs) Mm -hmm. um biography thing that I hear about a lot um Mm -hmm. and and when you know you finally put all the stuff that's on top of it aside you know and you discover really quickly that that is the thing that you're probably going to end up doing for the rest of your life yeah I mean did it did it feel for you well I guess I have like maybe an observation and a question and the observation is so it's not like you you didn't have a foundation of like language or writing or experience with language like you said you know it's like you 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 were you've been writing since you can remember being able to write um although it's interesting that it took you as long as it did to arrive at poetry as the like i guess maybe not main outlet of your writing but the like the the like I mean, I guess and this leads into the question of, like, when you when you found poetry, or I guess when poetry found you, when you had that experience in that class in the just sort of falling in love with the things that you were reading, did it feel like there was a, I don't know, like a missing piece that sort of clicked into place? Or was it just like a like the clouds parting? You're like, oh, OK, this like this is it. Um, because I imagine that like your interest in, in memory and like the, the stuff that you were, you were researching in psychology, it's like all of that didn't necessarily go away, but it just might be that this is like poetry was a, I don't know, uh, like a more refined or a more like crystallized version of how you can actually implement that. Like it's not, it's not necessarily research. Like it's, you know, like you are, I mean, you know, like poems, depending upon how far back you go, are experiences in sort of like mining out memory and, and that experience with like re re-engaging and reliving through your past selves in a way. Um, I, there's a question somewhere in there and I, I, I it got, <laughs> got a little away from me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not, I'll, I'm, I'm just thinking about a lot right now. Uh, <laughs> I hope that's okay. Cause like yeah. one, cause you know, talking about memory, of course, I do, I do kind of remember something um, that I may have mentioned last time, which is that I think, I think it was like a cloud parting moment, Mm -hmm. but not in terms of me parted, not in terms of the clouds parting and, and I'm finding out this is my passion, but more so the clouds parting and I'm finding out that this is what 
poetry is and this is what poetry does mm. because a lot of the poetry I wasn't exposed to a lot of poetry um growing growing up mm-hmm. and the poetry that I was exposed to was very mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, any 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 current poet or poet that has gone through any any degree of like academia um, prior to maybe undergrad, into grad school, whatever. Uh, you you know you know the type of <laughs> the type of poetry we're talking about, <laughs> unless you had a really uh, like weirdly with it and hip uh, creative writing teacher. You you know the poetry that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and 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 that was horrific to me. I was actually antagonistic <laughs> towards poetry when before mm-hmm. before that particular class. I I hated it. It didn't make any sense to me. It mm-hmm. was written like the Bible. It was yep. <laughs> it 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 didn't apply to my life. And it's interesting because now that I go back and I read these things and I'm more able to comprehend them because I'm older and and I'm like this I wouldn't I wouldn't make a kid read this like no I, I wouldn't either it's a lot of like I feel like most of my exposure with poetry before um like really studying it on a contemporary level was like usually like the romantics um or like Whitman or some of the older American poets like Dickinson and you know, like that type of stuff that it doesn't, when it's presented, I think in the context of like, like when I first really was exposed to, to the romantics and their poetry, it was with, it was in a humanities class and it was within the context of like, this is a, this is a literature movement that is a contemporary of the impressionist movement that's happening in like painting in France and a contemporary of the like romantic movement or the romantic music stuff that's happening like with uh, Debussy and some of the other um, composers. It's like, it was part of a cultural change. And in that context, it makes sense. And I can, I can see like presented that way. It's like in, in the lineage, it's like, okay, well, just, just like with in painting impressionism had to happen before pure abstraction happened like the romantics had to happen before like E.E. E. Cummings breaking sonnets could happen or like the weird um, like language poetry that. Um, oh, crap. What's her name? Um, she was a contemporary of Pound and Elliot. Oh, crap. Why can't I think of her name? Um, it will come to me at some point, but she like um, it's like, you know, like weird, like surrealist poetry couldn't get to where it needed to be unless the romantics happened so in in that context i can appreciate them and you know i can appreciate some of the things that they were doing or some of the stuff that they were approaching or trying to capture in their poetry but it's like if you just give it to like a 15 year old to read there's nothing in that that can really correlate to the shit that that, uh, like a, a contemporary teen is going through right now um, aside from maybe like big emotions, like trying to capture big emotions. But even in that, it's like, I wasn't like that type of poetry wasn't presented as like, Oh, these are like dudes trying to capture these big things that they're feeling and, and represent them in some way. Um, 
which maybe would have made a little more sense to me at the time, but still probably like, you know, it's like you said, it's like it, the, the language is so dry and so archaic feeling and sounding that it's just, it's like Shakespeare. It's like Shakespeare's great. And there's a lot of really amazing moments in his, in his, in his plays, but like, there's a lot of work that you have to do to be able to get to the point of actually appreciating it on the level that it sort of wants to be appreciated. And I don't, I feel like for some of the like romantic poets, I don't know if it's worth it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because it's like, you know, I can also appreciate the things you mentioned, you know, dot, dot, dot now, (laughs) you know, like not, not at the time that, that we were being taught them. And also, you know, I just, it, I'm, I'm also teaching, um, at a university now and you know one thing we see going in you know that I feel is a result of this sort of education um, assuming it's still being taught assuming poetry is being taught at all mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is, <laughs> is that when the students come in to creative writing classes they also have certain expectations of what poetry is or what poetry looks like or sounds like mm-hmm. that is very um either exclusionary or outdated um and and that's that's essentially how how I came in you know I was like oh this this is I have to rhyme and you know sound like I think I'm smarter than I am and it's it was I it was unattractive and and also to a large degree um yeah unrelatable like how you know and some I guess you could kind of make an argument for right like maybe the love song of J. Alfred Prucock I may have something to do with teen angst and anxiety, but it's like, is the, is the teacher really going to sit there and and draw those connections? Um, yeah. So still, you know, I, I actually, interestingly to you bring up proof rock. I have a gripe with that poem. I think that it should end. There's like, I think five lines at the end of the poem that I don't think are necessary that I wish somebody would have told Elliot or like an editor would have told Elliot. It's like, Hey, you can get rid of this and the poem would be much stronger. Um, cause it just like, it, there's a moment that it, it hits and there's a really amazing image. It's the, um, Oh fuck. I think it's, I grow old. I grow old. I should wear the bottoms of the trousers. I should wear the bottoms of my trousers rolled. Uh, shall I part my hair behind? Do I dare to eat a peach? I will wear white flannel trousers and walk upon the beach. I have heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think they will sing for me and like end it there. That's amazing. That final line. It's like, it punches you in the throat and you're like, Oh my fuck. And then it just kind of keeps going. And like, you just, you're explaining the poem, but you don't, it's like, we get it, dude. Just, just show, (laughs) don't tell man. But well, that's like, to your point, I feel like, like not, not only, at least in my experience, like not only are students, like if, like you said, if poetry is being even taught at all in classes, that like there is a it's it's really really formulaic and sort of structural it's like these are the this is what you know this is a list of what makes a poem a it rhymes b it has 
uh, figurative language. C is is written in lines and not sentences, and you know it's like whatever. But it also feels like there is a. I mean, at least for me, I don't I don't know if, what this was like for you in in schooling, but whenever we would uh, have poetry that was presented to us, and any time that it was like a standardized test or whatever there was like you had to analyze it the analysis of the poem was the thing that was really really pushed it's like where you had to find like what is the what does this image mean or you know like what is the meaning of this and it's like it felt like it was it was very much drawing into that there was one way to read a poem that there was one thing that this image could mean and it was what the the poet intended and you had to like suss out that intention and then if you if you got it you got it and if you didn't you don't know what the fuck you're talking about and like that's it totally it took me until probably like towards the end of or maybe even after grad school to really understand at least for me and i preface all of this with the poetry that i tend to gravitate towards does this work i there are or operates in this way and there's i know that there's a ton of different types of poetry and different reasons that like that to utilize poetry and all that stuff but the stuff that i tend to gravitate towards is like like a poet inviting you into their lives so that you can feel what they felt in a given moment or a given experience. And like, if you approach a poem, at least for me, the, the ground level that you have to approach it on is like, what does it make you feel? Like, what is it doing to you? Like, wh where is it? Where is it pushing you? Where is it drawing you out? Where, like, what are the nuances of these things? It's like, it's, it's a sad poem. It's like, okay, what well, like, what color sad is it? Or like, you know, like what, what in your life is, is echoing or resonating with the type of sadness that is being brought up here? You know, is it, is it a sadness of grief? Is it a sadness of loss? Is it a sadness of like, uh, you know, like love extinguished or is it a sadness of like, oh, I know that this thing isn't going to, you know, it's like what all these different things that it could possibly be. Um, and I feel like in that way, you could maybe head off the pass of people that feel like they like, I think the, the main reason that I've encountered that people don't read poetry is that they, quote unquote, don't get it. As mm -hmm. if, you know, because like, I think more so or like every other type of or genre of writing, it feels to me is a type of that's like you, you need to get, you know, it's like it's, it's narrative usually then that there's a story and a point to the story. And if you don't get the point of the story, then you kind of miss what this thing is supposed to be. Whereas poetry, it's like it's such an oddball because like there's sometimes there's like there's not there's nothing to get like you're not you're not supposed to there's not this like grand narrative or the point that's being made it's like it's a thing you feel and that was a like the the haiku practice that i writing practice that i have has really sort of drilled that point into me that like you know like it's not the point of a haiku is not to to for there not to be a point it's just that like it's images moving in a way that makes you feel a thing or make you makes you feel some something in the neighborhood of what the poet felt in this experience when they saw these things. You know, it's like, oh, there's a it, it's a cloudless sky. It's like middle of autumn and there's three geese flying overhead. Like you could cobble that together into a, a haiku that's like, oh, you know, in this moment I felt these things or I seeing these geese on this day at this time of the afternoon as the lights cutting across the sky in a particular way. It's like it made me feel a thing. And that's what I'm trying to transfer out to other people reading this thing. Um, and like, if any, like, 
humans, if nothing else, are feeling creatures. So if you have felt an emotion in your life, I feel like you are qualified to read and approach and sort of engage with a, a poem. In my estimation, at least. Because, um, like, you you know, it's like you've been feeling stuff for however long you've been alive. Of course, like, yes, that, that gives you all the credentials that you need to, to engage with a poem is... At least, again, like I said, the poems that I tend to gravitate towards are ones that very much, like, hit you in the feels. And, like, that to me, it's like, I'm I'm the most interested, at least in, in um, workshopping stuff, of, like, what, like, what does it make you feel? Does it make you feel the thing that I want to make you feel? Is it clear enough? Is it, like, is the language being presented or the image being presented in a, in a way that, like, gets you to that emotion? Because if it doesn't, it's like, ooh, I got to go change that because... Or like, or maybe not. It's like maybe it's like, oh, that's a that's a place that I didn't expect people to arrive at, and I'm cool with that because, you know, that's their reading of it, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. I, there's a there's a lot of like structuralism and analysis and like formality that it feels like poetry, at least in academia, is 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 sort of saddled with, and it took a long time for me to be able to kind of move beyond that, or even just like. I don't know, just see that, like, I guess similar to your experience in, in your creative writing class, to just see that there's another way that poetry can exist and it can do stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. I don't give a shit what the poet intended this image to be. It's like, I'm gonna, I'm more concerned with what this image is doing to me on the inside. Like, that's what I'm concerned about. Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. And wanting to, to share that, that feeling with others. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, at least in my estimations, like that's the poetry that I love does the most work when it's like it's making you feel these things in a way that is it's like empathy, but like almost supercharged empathy, because it really does feel like the, you know, the the way that I sort of the image that that's always sort of comes to mind to me is that it's the difference between somebody telling you about their dream and then somebody that it, it somehow enables you to dream the dream that they had. Because most of the time when people tell me their dreams or when I've told people my dreams, you know, it's like it's met with like, oh, OK, that's cool or that's weird or that's interesting. It's like, oh, you know, oh, OK. And but, that you know, like especially if you had a really impactful dream, it's like, well, no, I like I, I this is really meant a lot to me. But, you know, it, that, that, that doesn't <laughs> translate. But if you if you had the ability to like, OK, well, the dream that I had last night, I'm going to give you tonight and then you can live it and experience it and come out with feelings, you know, whatever it is that you felt. Like that to me is that's what the that's what the poets that write the type of poetry that I, I gravitate towards, I feel like are very adept at doing. It's like they open up themselves and they open up their lives and they invite you in and you are put into their place to experience what they experienced, how they experienced it. Um, you know, it's like you, you that you're gifted their their sight or their their senses or their, you know, their way of existing in the world for a moment or, you know, for however long a collection lasts. Um, and like, that's a really, I think that's a really powerful thing that again, it's like never in my time as a, as a poet in my schooling, did I, was I ever presented with poetry? It's like, this is what poetry can do. Not that it has to, but it's like, this is the power that it has to gift you somebody else's experience or it's like to, to, to put, like to drop you into their life. Um, fucking, what is it? Um, quantum leap style. Like Scott Bakula is jumping into your life and gets to experience this moment. It's like, oh, okay, that's what this poem is. And then jumps out to somebody else's. Um, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna mm-hmm. have to use that. I feel like more people would probably get it if I if I presented the quantum leap style. <laughs> but yeah, that that's that's the end of my tirade about that aspect of poetry. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally I totally get it. And even though you know, I'm I'm more so right um, persona poems. Even mm-hmm. though I I heavily use the the first person. Um, and a lot of the the poets that I that I enjoy reading the most also use um, personas or at least feature these different characters other than themselves, which is um, but but it's interesting how similar the effects are. Mm-hmm. Whether that I um, you know the speaker the poet is taking on the role of implied speaker or, you know, if it's another person or a character or a persona and, and how still, you know, that is also, I think, in an effort to, to, yeah, share this particular feeling um, through a particular experience and, you know, hope that other people feel feel something also yeah um and, I, and go, go uh, ahead oh no I was, I was just gonna say you know I think that's one of the the beautiful things about storytelling and about poetry in particular and yeah I think it is kind of um unfortunate that that poetry has the kind of reputation that it has <laughs> of you know being hard to understand and mm-hmm. and you know too you know it's it's too far removed you know you you can't really engage with it it's not for you and yeah. i think that's um so unfortunate yes i agree and i i to to your point on like the, the persona poems i feel like poets are probably in a very really like a really unique position of being able to actually get to the emotional truths of other people because of the experience that, the, that they have. And I guess the training of just, you know, like if you read a lot of poems that um, the poet is inviting you into their life, it's you sort of begin, you, you train yourself to be able to like adopt other people's existences or ways of seeing. Um, similar, I guess, like really to an actor, which I never really thought about before. Um, that you like that there is a sort of emotional understanding or, or connection that you can you can uh, uh, like attain that you can step into and fully embody somebody else that you know has never existed um you know like actors those characters have never existed they're fiction um by and large but um but you can give them a, like an emotional truth or an emotional life that feels real and I, that to me is, is something that it took me a really long time to, to really sort of wrap my head around that with poetry that like, and even with memoir or like essay writing, like that sort of lyrical nonfiction to an extent that it's not necessarily the, like the point or the, the crux is not literal factual truth, but emotional truth. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I, I tend to write very autobiogra- autobiographically. Um, you know, it's like, it, it's, similar to Mary Oliver, you know, a lot of times I'm out on a walk and I think about things or I experience things on walks and, you know, I, that, whatever it is that I, I see or experience, whatever sort of winds up into the poem. But, um, 
like there's one that I wrote recently that spanned uh, it's like three or four nights of out walking uh, my partner's dog um, and just getting like little bits of the poem here and there but you know it's like it's presented as a sort of unified this is a singular walk this all of this happened to me this one night and like the vast majority of it did but there were parts of it that I had to kind of couple like I couldn't I didn't get the ending until like three three nights later um, but it's a moat like it regardless of the fact that it's presented as a thing that it might not necessarily be it is emotionally true as a thing and like that's what matters that it, it reaches this point of like oh that there is this like deeper truth like feelings truth that exists in here that's like oh yeah that's that's true like it never there's a um a line in uh, one of the sandman comics that uh shakespeare is is written a the midsummer night's dream for the like the fairy king and king and queen yeah king and queen and they actually show up to watch the play being performed and there's a, one of the fairies at some point is like you know this never happened they're talking about the puck um and he's like well this never happened like you've never done this but this is true this is like this is truth and that's always stuck with me that's like that's what uh, similar to what you said like storytelling too it's like that's that's what the that's the power that it has that it, it can present you with these truths while they are that despite the fact that they are fiction like they never actually happened it's like the truth and the emotionality of it is it exists it's like it exists almost like independent of the fact that these things are fiction um which is a really weird space to to exist in as as far as like literature goes it's like it's like it almost feels like quantum mechanic type things that it's like exists as two states as once or it's like there's an uncertainty of whether or not these things exist and if you look at it or depending upon how you look at it or when you look at it it changes what it presents as mm. yeah that's interesting i i've never thought about it that way it's it's funny to like hear you know like the literal experience of reading uh being articulated out loud and for me it's always been so simplified like i never ever bothered trying to actually like investigate um <laughs> <laughs> this feeling that 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 brought me to poetry it was very yes the emotional truth is definitely what appealed to me the most um particularly the way in which um poets achieve that that revelation you know mm -hmm. there's so many different forms there's so many different voices there's so many different mm -hmm. images there's so many different organizational patterns or storytelling methods and there's the sound and then there's how mm -hmm. it looks on the page and it's like all this all this stuff just this just rich playground of of just linguistical excellence <laughs> essentially and and you know you know after you've given it your very best shot you will have come away with something that um that actually moves people and yeah you know i think that at the end of the day you know as a writer that's that's what you want or at least that's what i want yes I, I am I am all with you on that that yeah like I I just want like I don't like it feels like or at least 
for me that as as a poet um and i feel like we talked about this maybe last time i, I know i know for sure that i've talked about it with other poets it's like you know nobody nobody becomes a, at least in the united states as far as my experience goes nobody becomes a poet or uh follows the path of poetry looking to be famous or to make a lot of money because that's just that's not the place that poetry occupies in the united states and it, it feels like in a weird way that that allows like that that to some extent not fully separated from this but to to the like a, i would say moderate extent moderate to large extent or at least by and large more so than other other creative mediums it's like it's been the creep of capitalism into this genre it feels like it's been stunted a fair amount because there's you know like there's not an appetite really for poetry for whatever reason in the united states um and i think like in order like being a poet and and dedicating your life to this thing that will not be is not like financially soluble by any stretch of the imagination it really boils down to it's like what do you get out of it at least for me it's like that's the question that i i've often asked myself it's like you know why why poetry what what is this doing for me and i like you said the the idea that at the end of the day something that i experienced that i that i wrote and attempted to capture that experience in you know like on the page with this with these words that sound this particular way that when they're strung together have this cadence or this rhythm or this whatever this melody, whatever qualities it has, that someone could take that and, you know, read it and spend time with it and come away feeling something and to be changed by it. And whatever capacity, maybe it's a small change. Maybe it's like, oh, there's a word or a vocabulary that I didn't realize that I needed to have. And this poem gave me this this image or this this expanded my vocabulary, at least at the very least expanded, expanded my experience of like, oh, yeah, I felt this. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, yeah, you have this like real deep drop in a well of like, I'm not alone in experiencing this, which I feel like at times is, is invaluable to know that, you know, it's like there is some other person out there at some other age or you know contemporary, anciently, whatever. Um, I, I think about Sappho's love poetry a whole lot. And it's like, oh, yeah, OK, I, I get it. I feel like, you know, that people people have been like you're part of a you're part of a chain of human nature that hasn't really changed all that much. And there's, I feel like comfort in that in one knowing that like you come from a long line of people that have felt a lot, a lot of the same things before. Um, but also that there, you know, it's like, you're not alone in this feeling that you've had or that this thing that feels really big or feels unnamed or feels, I don't know, like murky or covered, like enshrouded by whatever that you just, you can't parse it out that there's this thing that can come along with like, Oh yeah, that's what that is. They're like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. That's exactly what that is. That's the language I've been looking for. That's the feeling or the experience that I've been looking for. And I have it and I can go on to the next thing. Um, like that's so in a, like in a really small, quiet way that is so powerful. Um, and like that, like knowing that and knowing that I've, I've done that, like I've, there was a, um, a, a person that I met at a, like a, uh, arts festival that bought one of my books. Um, and I, I was like, you know, Hey, let me like email me after you read it. Let me know what your experience was. And like, she, everything that I hoped that a reader could feel after reading that she felt. And I was like, okay, that's, that's great. If I never sell another book, if I never write another poetry, like poem, I like, I did it. I did what I set out to do. That's great. 
you know yeah and it's it's weird to have like <laughs> to have like what feels like such small attainable goals but it also is nice that you know, like you know if you're if you're if you're writing your poetry and you're like you if it's on fire you know it's like you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna beat those goals someone's gonna come away from this feeling something and you did it you know <laughs> yeah yeah i think you know i don't know it's interesting because on one hand yeah i want i would love to to give that experience and those feelings to other people but um but also to a large degree, I feel, I feel honestly like my pursuit of poetry is, it's selfish. Um, <laughs> it's, I'm definitely, you know, I'm like, what do I get out of it? And it's the, it's honestly the feelings that I can bring up in myself and the revelations that I can yeah, have and the totally growth fair. that I can have. And, and then it feels like, you know, okay, well, I wrote this poem about it and I, and I published it and you can read it and hopefully you get something out of it too. But mm -hmm. I, I always, you know, I'm, I'm always happy that I got um, something out of, of my own work. Yeah. And um, I think that's what, what I, it, it's nice because then you can fall back on that if you ever get, you know, if you ever get discouraged or, you know, someone is less than impressed, um, <laughs> you know, which is, I mean, no one's told me to my face, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> like, you know, but, you know, just, you, you always worry about it. You're, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't sit around and ask <laughs> writers how, how self-conscious they feel, but, yeah. you know, you know, so, you, know there, you know there's some fucker out there at one of your readings that's just like, huh, okay. And like, oh, you you bastard. Get the fuck out of here. Um, right, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> if, please don't don't make any comments. Yeah. Just, you know, take your disapproval and, <laughs> <laughs> and, go some, and leave quietly, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's, that's something, like, you brought up a, a point that, like, so for you, for, for your writing, is it more about the process of just writing for you? Um, that like, that's the thing that you, that you were chasing, that you were engaging with and that the, I guess the end result of the poem is sort of just a, like a, a, uh, I don't know, like land yap. It's just it's like, it's a nice byproduct, but it's, it's really the, like the chasing down of the, the feelings or sort of the exploring of the memories or whatever. And like going through that process for yourself to figure out how to, how to, I don't like just to like maybe not explain it to yourself, but you know, it's like when you, the times like I've experienced something similar. It's like, if I'm talking to someone and I, ha I have an idea, it's, it's so beneficial to be able to verbalize it to someone else because you have to kind of put it into a way that can be comprehended. Um, and it can sort a lot of things out. And I feel like for poetry, it can it can offer that that pathway too that's like if if it's the process that's like you have to you have to put these feelings or these thoughts in a way that is like comprehensible and in doing so it can it can illuminate you know things about that process or that that thinking or those feelings that like you wouldn't have been able to attain had you not gone through the process of sort of like you know writing the poem about it yeah uh 
I mean, in a way, like, I actually, like, very seldom, like, know what I want to say mm. in a poem. Okay. I think um, I have a, I have a theme or an idea in mind, but, you know, that, that, that thing that a, that a poem has where you're like, oh, this is, this is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Um, that definitely comes through as I'm writing. And that's something okay. that I have to kind of uncover as I, you know, listen to things and move things from here to there. And then I, I start to kind of, it starts to really come, come through clearly. Um, and then I just have to tidy it up from there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm definitely, it's 100% the process. Um, I don't, I, I really, I don't, I plan, I do plan and then nothing goes according to plan, <laughs> I guess, as they say, you know, man plans, God laughs. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, the muse laughs. <laughs> um, so I end up doing a lot of, I take a lot of turns from where I thought I was going mm -hmm. and end up in a completely different direction. <laughs> um, but it's usually for, for the better. So I'm, yeah. I'm thankful for that at least. Um, so this is, uh, I guess a callback to, um, like, do you see, um, or have you seen or experienced any sort of overlap between either your studies in like psychology in your writing of poetry? I mean, I'm thinking specifically about like your, the writing of personas, um, or in your like screenwriting or uh, playwriting, like, has, has there been any overlap that you've, that you've experienced either things bleeding into poetry or poetry bleeding out into other things? Yeah, I think definitely poetry bleeds out into other things. I probably, I think compared to the to the sc screenplays that I've read, my my language is a lot more poetic. Mm, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a little self indulgent that way when writing a script, and I hope it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't piss anybody off, but <laughs> it's just me just loving the sound of my own voice, apparently. So mm -hmm. um, hopefully other people love it, too, because <laughs> um, <laughs> so definitely, definitely I can see, you know, the work and the attention to things like the order of words, you know, and the mm -hmm. sound mm -hmm. um, to be playing a big role in scripts where arguably they won't matter because no one's going to read your actual words. Um, mm. But I can't help it because um, I'm a poet. And, and I would say as far as these other genres or areas of study bleeding into poetry, um, I definitely think at a very, I don't even know, like what word to describe it, but at, at, I guess at a very fundamental level, um, psychology does play, you know, a pretty big role in terms of how much 
interiority I try to provide into these personas, mm. um, which are not me, right? So right. I'm not necessarily revealing things about myself, but it's a different kind of, of challenge and a different kind of vulnerability, I think, to to provide a character the same level of depth as you would provide or that you have, you know, as an actual person. So I, 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 I try and the human mind has definitely been, been something that has fascinated me since childhood, which is why I thought I was going to get a PhD in psychology because I had been interested in it for so long. It just seemed like the thing that I was going to be doing forever. And, um, you know, it definitely plays a big role. I'm very interested in, you know, why people think what they think and how that encourages them to do what they do, especially when it comes to, you know, violence or or harm or, you know, just how we are shitty people to one another um, in a myriad of ways. Mm-hmm. So um, that definitely, that definitely... Um, is still a big part of my writing practice. Hmm. Uh, do you like? Do you feel like your your script writing or playwriting um, has enhanced your ability to do persona poems, or I guess maybe vice versa, or both? Like, do you do you feel like I mean, or I guess maybe at the at the core level of this question is like do you feel like there's a correlation between um your interest in writing scripts with characters and your interest in writing poems as personas i think there's a relationship definitely i think it also ties back to you know me being a writer as a child and and I think for a lot of, well, I won't say a lot because I don't know a lot of people, but I think for some <laughs> folks, fiction is is the first genre that we get introduced to. And it's the first one that we experiment with writing when we when we have a inkling that we may want to be a writer or mm-hmm. to write things. And so characters have always been a big part of what I would write um from the very beginning so that in addition to the fact that um i don't find my own life uh interest interesting (laughs) enough to write poetry to write books of poetry about um definitely has given birth to this you know the fact that Black Under is is mostly persona poems, and then I write in other genres with characters as well. Um, and I think you, I think that writing scripts does help, especially in terms of when you're telling a longer story, characters, especially ones you want people to care about. Um, should follow some kind of progression of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and some kind of growth and like in a sitcom it it resets you know by the end of the episode they're back to the exact same person they were but you still get kind of like oh but they learned a life lesson and then you know reset and even that is endearing right and then with with dramas or more serious things uh you want and for movies because characters change in movies way more than they do in series Mm -hmm. um you know having having that development where a person can see themselves in a person and I think seeing yourself in someone is more than you know their mannerisms or their opinions or their um experiences but but seeing the potential the seeing human potential um, in the form of, of growth and change, I think is something that appeals to people. And, and it's something that while the poems are much shorter and you don't get that full trajectory, um, that's exactly the point, I think, to show this very small slice of a person's life mm-hmm. and a person's mind frame. And within that small slice, be able to get an idea of the multitude of experiences um, that that came together to result in in this one feeling this one emotion that's happening at this at this time Um, and I think for me to really grasp you know how to do that um, well or at least as well, in my opinion, um, <laughs> that I, I did have to go to to script writing and writing it, writing, you know, about a character's journey across a a slightly longer time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. Like, I never really thought about this, but like, to your point, I think that the 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 main draw of like just tv show or tv shows or or um film or like that sort of that type of media um is like what you like you said it's like it's the the attempt is to create characters in which the audience can see themselves in it's like they they can they see aspects of of those characters like in their own life um which feels like a really like not necessarily in a in a like a negative connotation, but like a very self centered way of 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 um, consuming media. That's like oh, I that that person reminds me of myself, or that there's a there's an aspect of that person that I see in myself. Whereas poetry feels like it's almost the inverse of that. That the the goal is that you're not seeing yourself in somebody else, but like you have to see you have to see them in. Oh wait, no, I I had it in my head and I'm, I'm losing it. It's not that you see yourself in them; it's that you see them in yourself. It's like there; it's the you have to leave yourself and enter into somebody else to experience that, versus inviting all of these other characters into you. Um, I think I think that that's how it, it mapped out in my head. Um, yeah, I get it. I think. I mean, I think both are are selfish, honestly, right? And there's oh, not really, not really anything particularly um like i don't for because from one point yes um consuming things that you feel you know you have some sort of personal investment in um is kind of 
odd <laughs> in, you know, non-capitalist context, mm-hmm. you know, where everything is for sale. So we have to appeal to you in any way that we can. Um, yeah, it seems like, okay, like, wouldn't you like to maybe, you know, see what somebody else's life is like? But, um, you know, then there's the the two-headed beast with that, you know, which mm-hmm. is then to intentionally try to consume things that don't reflect yourself you are potentially being voyeuristic or you know oh that's a good point or or affirming or affirming this kind of unstated but well-known you know thing that that media in general art in general is created for the consumption of white people or straight people or able-bodied people Mm -hmm. or you know any and not allowing or not making space for folks to have conversations with with people other than than ourselves and and not giving them the the ability to you know partake in that because i i'll be honest when i (laughs) and i don't know if i should put this on a recording that'll be around for all posterity but um when i when i first saw black panther in theaters my uh first thought was actually um wow like this is amazing like literally everybody like almost everybody I've seen in this in this film is black Mm -hmm. and we're all beautiful and these costumes are on point and we have superpowers like and Mm -hmm. we've got giant rhinos and like the world's most the fictional world's most valuable um natural resource you know like mm-hmm. I'm like this is this is amazing like is this is this how how white people feel when they see just literally any other movie because if this is how you feel you know I I don't want to take that from you actually like that's a pretty cool feeling to to <laughs> to feel like wow this 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 was made for me mm-hmm. um you know but I also want other people I want there to also be room for things to be made for me, right. you know? Oh, yeah. um, and, and so, you know, I think, I think we won't get away from, from the selfish, from the selfishness of, of art consumption at all, not in America. And honestly, on the list of things I would change about this country, it's not even that <laughs> high on the list. No, that's, <laughs> and I, that's fair. And, you know, also it's like fresh for for me to say how unconcerned I am with, you know, the consumption of of art and and, um, the capitalistic investment in that as a poet who (laughs) I don't have, you know, much money in this conversation. You know, I'm sure for someone whose whose life, um, and it it may be my life. You know, honestly, as someone who wants to go into screenwriting and be a writer director, one day, you know, that may be yeah. an issue that I have. Like, oh, I want to do this thing, but the people that you know feed me would rather 
I do this thing and then, you know, I have a totally different opinion than the one that I have today. Um, But for now, you know, I think my opinion really just reflects a lot of optimism that I feel about, you know, the poetry that's coming out nowadays and the, the movies that are coming out nowadays as well, or that are being, that are being made. Um, And, you know, if, if someone out there is, is very, you know, self-absorbed and, and buying it all up and, and taking it and, and loving it, you know, however we, you know, can, can appeal can appeal to people and not in a way that's like, oh, I, I beg you to please read my book, but just, you know, there's so many things I think we can we can connect on and and you know, there's so many um there's there's just so many other things in the world besides besides our differences you know so it's right. it's really yeah. interesting um well i think i think to your point about like black panther i was thinking about like what you said about that if you if you just consume media in which you don't see anything of yourself in that it can be almost like a like a like shitty emotional tourism into a life that's not yours and you can spend you know it's like you can spend a little bit of time in this life and then you can you have the privilege of leaving it's like it's not it's not your life that you that that you have to, it's not your experience that you were returning to it's like you have a totally separate experience from this um but <clears throat> also thinking about the like like specifically black panther and the the like the what it what it it from what i have heard from like the the black people that i know that saw it um like like similar to you it's like there is a an exhilaration of seeing it's like I think everyone in the movie except for two people or two characters are black. And it's like, there is, it is a, a nation that it's the ethos is basically like black excellence. You know, it's like, it's, it's more or less a utopia. It's like, it's scientifically the most advanced um, nation in the Marvel universe. Um, like, you know, any, any, anything technologically, scientifically, you know, agriculturally, economically, whatever. It's like it is leaps and bounds beyond anything that the rest of the world in that in that universe has. Um, but it also feels like that there is a, a very clear intention behind that movie to create a movie that would occupy that space because there hasn't really been another film like that. And... I don't think, at least in my experience, like, I don't know if I've really ever had an experience of going to the movies and seeing, like, a, like white people being presented in that way. Because I don't think that, <clears throat> I think because whiteness, <clears throat> excuse me, is sort of just seen in the United States as the, as the, like, default. Like, white man is seen as the default that there's not really any intentionality behind making movies that appeal to us because it's just a given that, I mean, saying us, I I don't identify as, as, as a male, but I am, I am white. Um, that there's really not any intention of, of making movies that appeal to white men or the white populace because that's just, it feels like that's a given. And like, that's a really shitty thing on the like on the flip side to have that there's like it's just there there is no intention being presented to for that because that's just the assumption it's like oh yeah well that's that's just you know that's the default that's that's the 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 blank slate is is coded as white man um 
And, like, that's a really, like, for multiple reasons, that is a really, really terrible, shitty thing that that is, you know. Because um, I'm just thinking about, like, all the, the really fucking popular sitcoms from back in the 90s. Like, Seinfeld, all white. Friends, all white. Um, and, you know, it's like you... <clears throat> You are being, you're asking a huge wide audience to, to find these characters relatable when I imagine that there's a huge swath of the audience that's like, that doesn't. Um, but then I'm also reminded of like, you know, Family Matters or Living Single or you know, like Good Times that, that I don't know if it was like pure intention to present, you know, it's like the creators of their shows are like, we, you know, we don't see families that look like ours on tv and we would like to rectify that or if it was a you know like really cold capitalist decision it's like oh hey there's an entire market that's not being utilized that we could you know hone in on and and get or if it was a weird sort of i don't know like synergy between the two that there is a that there are creators are like you know we want to present families and stories that relate to us and some enterprising capitalist that was like oh yeah okay well i can make money off of that so sure why the hell not you know um but yeah that's i i never really thought about that before that 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 there's a like an intentionality behind at least like that type of mass media that i feel like for a lot of stories is just really like you know that there is intentionality with other things but the fact that it's just it's a bunch of white people that that's what the story is happening to it's like that just feels you know like an afterthought or it's like oh yeah of course it's you know or like the afterthought is like oh shit we should add other you know characters that are non-white to this cast because you know like instead of going into it intentionally be like oh yeah the, these are the stories that we want to tell and you know like these are the, the characters and the people that we want to be here because this is a representative of like what our experiences are um which i hope changes like it feels like now that there's some more millennial um creators that i imagine have been kind of dealing with and thinking about these things for a while um that are making shows it's like hopefully there will be a change and it's not it won't just default to like all white casts um in very uh i don't know like unrealistic apartments in new york that it's like nobody 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 could no comedian in the 90s could own the apartment that jerry owned i'm sorry that's just that's totally fucking unreasonable it's a weird gripe to have with us it's totally <laughs> like that totally fucking breaks the like the suspension of disbelief that i need to have to enjoy that show that a, a character or somebody with the personality well i personality wise i feel like jerry would probably be pretty successful because he's he's a pretty milk toast white dude um but like no comedian would be able to have that apartment there's no fucking way he's not that there's, he's not that popular i there's no way that he could be in universe could be that popular but whatever it's neither here nor there um <laughs> But that does get to a point of like, or similar to, I mean, it makes, there's a connection that I feel, um, I don't know if it will actually, I don't know if it actually exists or if it's something that I feel exists. Um, Kind of like to your, one of the the later poems in your collection, um, the self-portrait in blackface, um, that in talking about the, like, you know, that you, you having to, Oh fuck! There's a line that I when I was reading it earlier today that hit me that I I don't I don't think I don't know if I it just didn't hit me the first time the first couple of times that I read it but um, it was um the to paint my face the color of my face just for showgoers might listen 
like that was that was really like the thinking about the i guess the 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 having to perform blackness to an audience of people that are not black where you can't just be your like you have to be yourself but a, in a way that is like i don't know like meets the expectations that they have or in some way is like doesn't meet the expectations that they have because you're like the you know you have to be able to challenge them or you have to be a um i don't know, like an emissary of your race um which in and of itself feels like a very sh- just in general a shitty thing to have to experience that you know it's like you have to pref- like you can't even just be you in your skin you have to be you in your skin in a performative way to somehow get like reach these people that's probably not going to reach them anyway mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's actually that poem is what is what i thought of when just with what we were talking about previously um yeah just this this idea that you know i think it is the 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 last option that you mentioned in a lot of in a lot of cases where you know you want to create a certain thing and then someone comes in and is like oh yeah you know that's fine i can profit off of that <laughs> um you know so i'll invest in it and and then i'll reap the the reward and and in some cases, you know, also get, you know, the the pat on the back for for being, you know, a trendsetter or ahead of the times or, mm-hmm. you know, controversial and decisive or whatever big nice words they use to, mm-hmm. you know, describe people who who routinely, uh, or you know this very routine thing that happens where where work by people of color is is celebrated and then they that person you know the next thing you know is they're on a pedestal and then the next thing you know someone's like pushing a pedestal down because mm-hmm. like oh wait wait we didn't want you to say all of that you yep. know you should stay within mm-hmm. stay within with, within your limits and and it, it is this this relationship that that occurs and and the saddest part about it is that when that happens you know it it is ultimately a I think first and foremost a perversion of the author's original intention for the work um and it's hard you know in a lot of genres i think maybe least of all in poetry to you know to not be completely i guess taken over by you know these whatever obligations you have to to other people or to the folks who might be trying to help this dream of yours come true Mm -hmm. and you know to keep that emotional emotional weight and I think um you know as 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 a viewer I like to think that I can that I can feel the difference but in reality I don't I don't know and we rarely do until you know, the person is is dead and gone and then the story comes out about you know the whole context behind you know their great masterpiece and Mm -hmm. 
you know, just for, for my own personal practice, you know, I just try to hold firm to, you know, whatever it is, um, that I, that I am trying to say, you know, capitalism be damned, (laughs) hopefully, you know, right. With, you know, still bearing in mind that, um, my body runs on calories just like everybody else's. So, um, but you know, that in and of itself is, is something that, that interests me as a, as a black writer, um, you know, just this idea of, of public consumption is, is fascinating because to be an artist is to, to reveal the self and the matter of the self in America, um, especially when, when we are defining, defining ourselves in terms of race is very contentious, right? So, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. well, that's also, yes. like, it, one of the things that when I was related to this, um, when I was reading through the collection, um, again, or your collection, uh, Black Under, again, sort of in, in prep of, of this re-record, um, that didn't really, I think it was there, but I didn't really, really grasp it, uh, on the, my first couple of read-throughs was the idea of the, the sort of prevailing sense throughout the collection that I felt of questioning, like, what is the value of like a, a black life? And in this context, you know, what is the value? Like if you are a creator trying to sell like a pitch, a sitcom or a movie, regardless if it's autobiographical you know if it, if it draws upon your experiences or whatever you know it's like it, it is it is a a story in in that regard it's like you know what is the worth of that story and you know like what is the value that you have and you know like the you are only so valuable or you're only valuable insofar as that you are you know making profit for whatever company has decided that it's like oh yeah we will produce this thing we will give you the money to make this um in a weird like not i don't want to equate it to like another type of enslavement but it, it is really weird that it's the same sort of like like trying to assess how what that value is and especially in in the in the collection I mean, the poems that you that you mentioned the um the black individuals that have been shot in the last i, I don't you know for for it feels like forever but you know like the last the last decade last five years or so um you know it's like that in that things haven't changed yet i mean changed in some places changing slowly but you know like what is the value of their lives um that these things happen and and there is outrage and there's people that try to make changes and yet there is a what feels like an institutionalized system that is actively resisting making those changes in any really meaningful or significant way um and then the fact that like a lot of the other poems in this collection are um, like draw all the way back to slavery in the explicit, you know, explicit uh, haggling or considerations of like, what is a, what is a black life worth? Um, it just, it, it hit me really heavily this time in a way that like it, I, I had to put the collection down a couple of times to just like sit with that. Um, in a, in a, just cause like it was, it, it hit me in the heart and just like weighed me down. Like, Oh fuck. Oh gee. Okay. I gotta, Oh, okay. 
Okay. Um. It's like a very interesting response, and, and I thank you for, for sharing that with me. Um, and the the reason I call it interesting, um, and not to invalidate your feelings at all, I, I'm actually, I, I truly am interested in them, um, is the fact that I, despite, <laughs> despite, you know, and some poems do directly talk about this idea of, of value and what is what is this pain worth in this in this trauma worth but i am i am not at all interested in assessing the value of a black life i think white people have been trying to do that since they laid eyes on the first black person and i don't i don't yeah. care to to <laughs> to add to that conversation i think if we're still if we're still talking about the value of, of a black life in 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 2021 going on 2022 now it's it's you're you're racist. I, that's all I, and this is, and I don't, you know, and I don't say that lightly. I really don't spend a lot of time publicly calling people racist, but um, we have to, we have to draw a line, you know, between somewhere between, you know, all these reasons and explanations and examples for why, um, you know, or how how someone is not racist or not anti-black, and and just plainly, if we if we still are trying to convince people that one group of human beings is as valuable as another group of human beings, that sounds exactly like you know, if if anyone disagrees on the equality and and value that person is the definition of a racist. And yes. I don't think, I, 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 I'm like, I think that's a, like, that's a pretty solid, um, you know, basis to, to, to make that claim on. So, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that, that, that that's there because that is ultimately like, you know, one of the, the basis of, one of those old philosophers methods, maybe, maybe Socrates, <laughs> maybe Aristotle. I don't know. I get them mixed up. I'm probably offending someone. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but one thing that, that stuck with me, whoever said this way back before Christ, um, you have to agree before you can debate with someone mm -hmm. you know have a logical debate with someone you have to you have to mutually agree upon certain like fundamental mm -hmm. facts or realities and that is a fundamental reality that i that we first must agree on before <laughs> i can have a further conversation so i'm glad that that's that that is there because i i'm happy to have a baseline to where if if you know if someone is still in doubt of that after reading the collection i know that I don't need to have a conversation with that person. Yeah. Um, yes. And, yeah. <laughs> but, but beyond that, I think the, the thing 
that really, you know, drove me to write and organize this collection in the way that it was is that I am interrogating this concept of value mm-hmm. um, in the in the first place. So, you know, why is it that, um, you know, Black pain is is often commodified um and why is it that i can enter a space with good intentions and i can enter a space with the intention of of sharing the story in reverence and sharing the story you know to to help cope um and help grieve communally and then you know, that be turned into something that, um, you know, is then used as, you know, that is then sold, right. you know, yeah, yeah. and, and, that, and that, yes, that, that to me is like, I think, I think that what I was, I, I don't know if I did the, the best job of, of, of expounding upon this or explaining this. It's like that, that questioning of the, of the value or that interrogation of the value and in the ways that like, you know that 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 they're that black lives are valuable only in so far for like like you said commodification or to like to as a as a point being made or you know whatever it's like that to me is like that's what i attach to is that that sort of that core interrogation of why is this the way that it is and like why are these things only or these these stories or these experiences why are these only valuable in particular ways instead of being valuable because they are human lives you know that it's it's Mm -hmm. and that like that's the thing that that hit me and it feels like sort of related to the um the self-portrait and blackface that idea of like you are your experience in your 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 uh performance not like performance of race but like your your whatever it is that you're doing on the stage to the audience is valuable only so far as it like it in a particular way that it is it is uh, digestible by the audience and therefore has to be presented in a particular way. Um, and similar to like thinking about um, you know like that creators making stories or, or making shows or telling stories or whatever at the like underneath a sort of capitalist umbrella or like investor umbrella or whatever that like they are valuable in so far as it's like they're speaking truths, but only so f- that truths that don't like that are within a certain limit or a certain box and as soon as like you said as soon as they start stepping out of that box like oh no 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 that's you know i'm not paying you to say that i'm paying you to say these other things when you know like whatever it is that they're saying now is really just an extension of what they're saying before um Mm -hmm. yeah like that that questioning and that i think that that's what that's what hit me hard is like the 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 at least for me it's like drawing the sort of correlations between like a, a what a black body and a black life and a black story essentially is worth under like enslavement to now of like you know what is what is the how is that how have those things changed and not changed really anyway in ways it's like there's still a commodification of these things and like why is that here why does this still exist um yeah it was, mm-hmm. just, it was just it was like i I think that like I I think that I I felt that interrogation the first like when I was reading through it for the first record and it just it really was upfront for me this time through and I like I don't really know what what changed but it was like oh wow okay this is 
this is a thing that is very apparent to me now reading through this collection is like this sort of baseline questioning and interrogation of, of, of these things that um, I like, I'm curious, I, I don't remember if I asked you this on our first record, but I'm curious, like, did you write this collection? Like, did you set out to intentionally write a collection that, that um, sort of addresses these things? Or did, were you just sort of writing poems and, the the connective tissue sort of organically formed around them as you were just sort of writing things a little bit of both believe it or not um so i these poems were most of them um if not all were were written while I was in the MFA program and that that experience was um, very illuminating uh, for me as a new poet um, as you know a new a new black poet at a primarily white institution Mm -hmm. Um, so I I uh, I guess I'm trying to think of like how necessarily how I would frame it. I think over the course of my time there, I did begin to interrogate these things in my own work because I was very interested with how my work was being perceived. Mm, um, okay. And and not just you know within the program, but just in the larger you know, space of being read or, or, or being listened to, you know, and, and what was the response and what kind of events did I find myself at and what kind of, you know, things, what kind of response did I, did I seem to get? And, and this is what really bought, you know, a lot of, you know, one really identifying, you know, who I, who, if I were to talk to anyone other than myself in these poems, if I were to be writing for anyone else, who would I be writing for mm-hmm. uh, or to, mm-hmm. I would, I will say, who would I be writing to? And then um, the next thing is then to interrogate these things, especially the nature of, of performance and, and the commodification of, of art in general. Um, but, also the commodification of personal experiences and personal trauma Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, really thinking about these things and, and using, you know, once again, these personas to kind of explore these themes throughout different spaces, different time periods, you know, different, different types of people experiencing them. And, you know, what did that look like? What did I, come up with what did I discover you know and really Mm -hmm. then you know putting this book together once again in mind you know of of the audience and and then you know being able to share that conversation with others through publication Mm -hmm. so the so if, if I'm understanding you correctly like the intention the intentionality behind it sort of appeared at some point in the process and then was embraced as as the as the like driving i guess driving force of of the collection 
Yeah, but uh, as in like by the time I was done writing, like it wasn't, <laughs> okay. I was, gotcha, I was gotcha, done. Gotcha. And then I was like, okay, I have all these poems now, like turn them into a collection, Ashanti, <laughs> like what, what do they have in common? And then, gotcha. then I, I looked and I was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, you, you have a pattern going here, you know, you're stuck on this one thing, mm-hmm. you know, finding those poems that were really um, speaking to each other um, and putting those together for, for the chapbook. Yeah. What was the, um, I'm, I'm just curious, like, what was the, what was the revision process like for you for, for these? Like did it, did, how many, how many drafts, if there were very, if there were clean drafts of these things that did this wind up going through from like what you had kind of at the end of the process of the MFA writing and all that stuff versus to like what kind of exists in the collection now? Um, I think I saw, I, I finished my thesis um, for the MFA and then I didn't look at the poems for almost two years. And then Damn. I said, I'm going to try to uh, make use of, of these. <laughs> and and I, I looked at them again and um Actually, there wasn't much revision. Um, I I tidied some things up um, mm-hmm. and really just tried to pick, you know, what I felt were were the strongest. I'm I'm I don't I hate I hate to say this because it sounds it sounds so arrogant, but I don't I really don't do a ton of revision. Um, That's fair. At least not uh, like staged revision. I, mm, I okay. by the by the time I get to what I feel like is the end of the poem, I will have progressively reworked the whole thing yep. up to that point so yep. much that it's like okay, now now I'm here. Now I'm at the end. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's fine unless unless I hate the ending and then that's the only thing that's the only thing that needs to change so um but then going back I don't often have it that's it's usually just nitpicking Mm, okay I mean I'm I'm a similar ish way that I I tend to do a lot of revision in process it's not like I don't I don't tend to do a lot of revision after the poem is in I mean I go through stages usually it'll start with me like writing like handwriting it in a journal or speaking it into my phone um into notes or something and then transferring it onto physically onto the page and then transferring what's physically onto the page into like a, a Google document or something like that um and every step of the, those ways like while I'm actively writing it and then while I'm transferring it through its various incarnations I'm doing like lots of little you know, like I'll change a word or change a stanza or move some things around. Um, but like, I do you do, do your poems percolate in, in you for a long time before you write them, or is it like do they pop up and they feel fresh and new, and then you just chase them to the end and like that's it? Um, I I really don't. So for Black Under they kind of just pop up and then okay. I just write them out. But um, for, I'm, I'm working on a full length 
collection now and I have a lot of ideas for poems Mm -hmm. that I've written down and in in that way you know I guess those are kind of marinating Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but I don't I don't have like specific lines or anything it's just like okay like I want one I I'm I'm like okay this is the the situation or this is the context, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of mm-hmm. thinking through that and what that looks like and feels like. And then when I sit down, hopefully, you know, I'll have a point of view or perspective in mind and we'll be able mm-hmm. to take off from there. Okay. For mine, you will usually like, things will just bang around inside me for long times. Like I'll get an idea. So I guess it's sort of similar. It's like, I'll get an idea or I'll, I'll have sort of maybe a line or two and then it'll just like, it won't show up again for maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month, maybe a couple of months. And then suddenly like this, this full flight, basically like, I don't like, not to sound as grandiose as this, but this is really the only sort of image, working image that I have. It's like, you know, the, the I guess the myth of Athena, like popping fully formed out of the forehead of Zeus as like this, you know, like she didn't have to be built. She just pop- appeared as like this new goddess. Um, mm-hmm. That's what my poems tend to arrive at for me. Like they will arrive basically like finished in my head or finished inside of me. And I, I feel like I am really just, transcribing what is what is inside of me out and there's not a lot of like active thinking about them or thinking where they need to go next or whatever it's usually it's like i the the moments or the times that i'm stuck on a line or word it's it's that i know that there is something there i just can't see it clearly and I, i go through all the different permutations and then there's finally it's like oh yeah that's the puzzle piece that drops in or it's like that's the final smudge that gets cleared away and then once mm-hmm. that's removed, the rest of the poem, you know, spills out of me or continues to flow out until I hit the, whatever the next moment of like, okay, well, there's a word and I know that the word needs to be this. I know that it needs to have this sort of rhythm and has this like connotation and it's just a matter of like, okay, well, what, like, what is, what is it? What is it? What is it? And then it clears up and like, oh, okay, that's what it is. And I can move on. Um, which is really like, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of uh, conscious access or control of my unconscious so it feels like my unconscious is doing a lot of the heavy lifting with my poetry is just like you know somewhere in somewhere in my mind just sort of silently toiling (laughs) away on these things (laughs) and then like pops into an office is like here you go here's this and hands me a memo like okay cool this is what this poem is and i can sit there and (laughs) write it out and you know just wait in my my office with frosted windows until the next person shows up it's like hey here's the next poem like okay cool okay i can write this out and i just sit there and like all right, I got, there's nothing going on right now. Okay, cool. Um, it's real. It's nice. Like, it, I feel, uh, there's a weird sort of trust that I have to have with myself because it does, like, I know it's me writing it, but I'm not actively writing it, which is a weird, like, it's, it, so when I was, when I was uh, younger and a Christian, um, I, I thought that my poetry came directly from God because it arrived in the same way it's um it arrived as just like basically fully formed poems that just appeared to me and i was like oh this is divine inspiration which is when i was younger why i didn't really do any revision because i was like oh this is the this is the stuff that god gave me um 
and it's only been since I've left Christianity and since I've kind of gotten a better understanding of kind of how I process it's like oh no it's basically it's the same thing I just get these things just show up to me but now at least the way that I understand it now is that there's just some part of my unconscious that's just like just banging out these things and just sitting there you know sweating with a cigarette just like fuck what is this oh what is this fucking poem and then finally it's like okay this is what it is and then just pops in and hands me this thing i'm like okay cool i have a new poem now and i write it out and then it's just lots of quiet as some part of me is working on these things <laughs> as they're as they marinate like you said um it's weird i don't it's, it's a weird experience every single time i write a poem it's still weird even despite the fact that this is the way that it's always happened for me it's always like if I ever stop and really think about what's going on, I'm like, this is a this is a weird way to to, <laughs> to engage with this with this art. That sounds pretty pretty cool. The almost <laughs> effort effortless. But yeah, like to to an extent, but it does like it does require or it does lend itself to like really really long stretches of dry spells. Um, I am not the type of person that has any sort of standardized writing practice. Um, I have friends that will you know, like get up a couple hours early in the morning and write and you know like do it dedicatedly every single day. And for me, it's like I you know okay I haven't I haven't gotten a poem in a month. Okay, I'm just gonna keep waiting until something shows up, and then like a month later, I'll, like you know a haiku will appear. I'm like okay, cool, well. At least I'm not broken. It's still happening. It's just real <laughs> <fucking slow laughs> process. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that's that's better than than knowing that you have to intentionally find the time and sit down and think about the yeah. poem you want to write, and then not doing that for a whole month, which is, um, which is a totally totally different and also aggravating problem oh, yeah. to have <laughs> I, I can imagine yeah it's, it, my my way of writing is is very low active effort which i appreciate because i definitely am uh, i think calibrated towards inaction so i mean i it just it i guess it makes sense that this is the way that i write and it's also it's nice that like i've had i have writer friends that like once we got through our mfa you know they hit a huge huge patch of um like inactivity in their writing just because you know it's like they don't have they're not in the the, the same context or that their lives have changed drastically and they're dealing with other things and other stuff is occupying their mental space um and a lot of them have expressed like had expressed you know a lot of fear that like well what, what if i don't write again you know it's like there's maybe the first time that they've experienced like a, a dry spell or a soaking up spell um and like I went through one too, but I didn't really. It wasn't. I wasn't afraid of it because I was like, well, you know, I've I've gone through this before. It's just I'm I'm absorbing things now. I'm soaking stuff up, and you know, at some point I'll write another poem, for sure. Because I I can't imagine processing or existing and not not having poetry as a way to like process the things that I experience. Um, and then inevitably, you know, they come back. Like the pandemic was terrible for me. I think I wrote like three things the entire like for like a year and a half that was it um and i mean i feel like there's things that i can do to like actively put myself in a sort of poetic a, a space that is more inviting to like poetic moments or you know it's like just whatever whatever poetic plate pace internal space or internal positioning wherever that you need to be to, to have that stuff more free free flowing 
um, which was not at all where I was during the pandemic. And I feel like I'm, I'm now sort of being able to, uh, to kind of get myself to be more open to that. Um, which is nice because I've been, I've like this past week, I wrote like two things, which is, uh, nice. It was a, a nice change of pace. It's like, okay, cool. I was at work and a poem popped up. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I get to write on my lunch break. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for, for me, I, I also had a dry spill after the MFA, but I think I don't really doubt that I'm going to write again because I know that for me, it's purely, um, it's purely effort. (laughs) It's, and it's like either, either you're going to make the effort and you're going to write things or you're not, and Mm -hmm. you're not going to put anything out. And I know that, you know, no matter how much time, I take in between, you know, one, one of these times I'm going to sit at my desk and actually work on something. And, and, you know, that's something I will always come back to no matter however inconsistently I am trying, you know, very, very hard to maintain a daily writing practice and not because I particularly even ascribe to it Mm -hmm. honestly um I know some people are really insistent upon it and I'm I'm not I just um I would I would like to have the habit if I needed to like if I needed to get something out pretty quickly I would like to have the self-discipline to you know sit my ass down and and get it done (laughs) and and so that's so that's that's what I'm working on and and I think um you know also it it depends on what you think of as your like what's your ideal volume of work and I think I'm also coming to terms with the fact that and I, I don't mean coming to terms as in settling. I mean, like actually realizing that it is okay. I used to be a person until very recently, actually until maybe today, if I'm being honest, who thought <laughs> that I had to, I told you rapid growth yep. and development. Like, yep. so I I wanted to be a person who, who had a lot of work and, um, you know, I'm, I'm revisiting that. I, um, you know, my, my mentor, um, specifically, um, you know, in the world of, of film and screenwriting, you know, just reminded me that you only have so many shots, like no one's going to Mm. keep, um, no one, no one's going to keep, you know, giving you chances and reading like, okay, well maybe this next book's better or maybe this next film Mm -hmm. is better, you know, like take, take the time you need and write the things that you need to, you know, and, 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 you know, focus on that. And, and that also frees up some of the pressure from the daily writing, because then it's like, okay, I don't need to necessarily, I don't need to write every day. I need to have the self-discipline to do so while I, 
while I have, you know, a lot of projects that I'm, I'm thinking of and, and, and working out, but, you know, when the time comes and I don't, I'm not pressured by, you know, ideas that I think are the most brilliant ideas in the world, you know, and I can relax. I, I would be happy with that too. And I think that's, that's something that's, like I said, changed for me very recently because I, I was definitely a person who's like, you know, I need to write every day. If I'm not working on this thing, it should be because I'm finished and right. I'm on to the next one. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't think that's that's really necessary. And I don't think it's really in line with the, the writing career that I actually um, want to have. Yeah. Well, I, I think that like, if you if you approach i mean this is pure speculation because like i said i don't i don't have a a standardized or like a consistent writing practice at all but i imagine that if you if you approach like a a daily writing practice is like i'm showing up and if something presents itself i am here to capture it and if it doesn't that's okay like the point is that i'm here and i'm i'm open to it if it shows up and i was like as you're talking the image that i got is like if you know that there's like a nesting pair of eagles or like a heron or something that hangs out by this pond and you go there like every day, it's like, there's no guarantee that you're going to see, like if you're, if your intention is to go out there and to see these things, um, you show up at a particular time every day and there's no guarantee that you're going to see it. It's just that like you greatly uh, increase your chances that you will be there at the time that this thing also happens to be there. Um, Which is like a weird I, like I always saw writing practices as like a very di- diligent discipline. You know, it's like you have you have an hour, you have to be writing in that hour. You have, but it's like I never really thought about them as a just sort of like setting time intentionally to be open to a thing. And if it shows up, it shows up. If it doesn't, that's cool. It's like you have the discipline that it's like you know this is the time that I'm giving that I allow myself to being like I'm opening the door to this just like if it's there it's there if it's not i'm like i've still gotten the practice of like opening this door for this amount of time for so many days consecutively in a row whatever which you know it feels like a very um i don't know a more a more chill like a more quiet and like peaceful (laughs) version of that um Mm -hmm. i might i might try to do that just to see just to see what happens because that was the thing when i was at um I went to a residency up in Vermont for a month um, and set myself the goal of writing a poem a day. Um, and was at first was like, I don't know if this is a thing that I can do sustainably. But when I was up there for a month, like I was, I had the door, like I ripped the door off its hinges to just being open to like creativity and just putting myself in like the poetic space um, and was very much rewarded, you know, like being able to, to be there in that way all the time. Um, or most of the time was, was really beneficial. And and like, I think that I could probably use more of that in my day-to-day life of, you know, like little moments that like, okay, like, I guess like a daily meditation, you know, it's like the, the goal is to, to be able to, to allow yourself to, to put yourself in that state and to, to gain the, the experience of what it feels like to be in that state. So it gets easier for you to be, to maintain that for longer and to like, you know, for that to just be your state that you're in, regardless. Um, but 
Um, since we are approaching what I feel like is probably the end of this of this particular recording, um, I have my two traditional questions for you that I ask all of my guests. Um, the first one is, what's your internal landscape like? Has it? Oh, this is a good question. Has it changed since our last recording? Uh, yeah, this is like the one question that I do really remember. Um, <laughs> fondly and yeah last time i i said it was a beach mm -hmm. there was no one on it um but me <laughs> and and that has uh, not changed at all <laughs> that's awesome that's really cool um and i think you know the reason that it hasn't changed is because when i think of the question as you when i think of it i think of it as an ideal um destination somewhere i guess Ooh, back in my mind i would i would go to mm -hmm. as my my happy place so it hasn't changed if we were to if i would have maybe uh mentioned you know my my present internal landscape that may have been a bit more chaotic and <laughs> probably probably still is mm -hmm. so um but yeah, I'm I'm glad to to report that my my happy place is still is still my happy place. That's that's really I mean I don't I don't know if this is a when for me personally when I when I find those moments of like through lines or consistencies there's a level of oh I don't know like comfort that it brings me to know that like regardless of all the other things that change that there is this, there's some aspect of me that like at its core. Like, this is it. This is a thing that's like, not that other things can orbit around or that things can fulcrum, that, you know, fulcrum on, but there is like, there is at least some sort of core consistency in somewhere in me. And it's like, that's a, that's a reassuring thing to know. Um, is that, is like, has, bait, like, at least from the last time recorded to now, but like the fact that that is a consistent thing for you, it's like, is that, is that reassuring? Is that comforting? Is that, I mean, is it is it nice to know for you <laughs> that is a thing that is like that has been consistent despite the fact that you're you are in a period of great upheaval and inconsistency and, and growth and change? Oh yeah, for sure. Because I think a major, um, you know, debate internal debate of mine is, you know, who am I? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ironically. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm actually I, I'm actually usually happy to see consistencies, even you know, with the exception of some that maybe I I can't stand about myself. But um, whenever I see something and it and it sticks around, and I'm like, okay, like that's that's your thing, you know. Mm -hmm. I I I like to to come across those in in the self discovery as well. You know, so when, you know, a lot is changing, I also have things to hold on to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like they're touchstones. So like little little beacons in in the, the maelstrom. They're like, okay, well, at least that's that's there. That regardless of, despite the fact that everything else is changing, at least know that's like, that's a thing that's going to be, that's going to stick around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and my last question is, is there anything that you would like to ask me? I honestly don't remember what you asked me last time. So there's a there's a maybe a, a, a not insignificant chance that you ask me the same thing. But. <laughs> yeah, I um, 
don't remember I don't remember either. I don't and and now that that sounds weird to admit cuz then it's like okay, like then I that also means I don't remember whatever it is that you that you told me. So well, I I don't remember what I told you either. So we're in the same boat. We're in the same boat. So, you know, I think um one thing that that often interests me about people so i will i will ask you as well and um if i did ask you this and it hasn't changed um i i would chuckle if i knew but um what are what are you reading um i actually started rereading uh come thief by jane hirschfield um i i I don't remember if we, if I mentioned this last time, um, but at the end of August, uh, my partner and I moved into a new place uh, together, and it took me a long time to get my books on into various bookshelves. And as I was going through my collection, I realized that I had either loaned out or misplaced my copy of of uh, Come Thief, which was the very first collection by Jane Hirschfield that I had ever encountered, um, and read and loved. So as I, when I was buying some some Christmas presents, um, I added that into the cart because I was like I I can't live in a place and know that I don't have access to these poems, um, mm. and I my intention is to do a so poetry reviews or like a review episode on it. Um, so I'm I'm trying to work my way through it and you know have it be fresh and and take notes and stuff. But um, it just reminded me how much I fucking love her writing. Um, in her way of seeing and experience things, it's just, it's so like, it's so contemplative and it's meditative and it's, it like, it looks at things and, and has perspectives in ways that are so drastically different than my own, but feel like are, like there is resonance in them. Um, and there is actually, the reason that I, I, I wanted to get this collection again is because of a poem that I wrote recently um, I was in, while I was writing the poem, I was thinking about the last poem of of Come Thief, which is oh crap, I don't remember, I don't know what the name of it, but it's about a a deer jumping through a fence, like a hole in a fence, um, and the last line of it is um, to be so porous, to have some oh crap, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it, I don't want to butcher this line, um, I think the name of the poem is the Supple Deer. Um, that feels, that feels correct. Yeah. Um, so this is the last poem in the collection and the last line, um, is to be that porous, to have such largeness pass through me, um, which just like hits hard every single fucking time that I, that I read it. And a, a description of that poem and that line wind, wound up in the poem that I was writing and I was like, okay, I, I need this back in my life. Um, but yeah, and aside from, aside from that, I have some manuscripts from my press that I'm reading, but that's, that's really like, that's the first, that's my first real foray back into reading poetry for like pleasure, um, in about, uh, almost two years. Um, mm. so it feels, it feels good. It feels good to be, to be back like reading poetry and just absorbing it in, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think that that's probably going to wrap it up. Um, I think I asked you last time to read a poem from your collection. 
um, and you you graciously obliged. Uh, is there a poem that you would like to read uh, tonight to to finish up the the uh, recording? Sure. Um, I can read acrostic for my last breaths. Go for it. Acrostic for my last breaths. If I'm ever out of oxygen, cut the comms, switch the radio, play a song by Whitney or Aretha, something no sense can pause my throat from parting for. Gonna throw my sorrows into this vast black void that don't even have space to hold tune or blues. But I don't seem to be heard. I do it to keep on. Ring diaphragm and rattle lung like sickness, each eighth note a reason to stay living. Can't take a rest, might hear the censors whining that worried heaving falsetto of siren, how I hate the sound of dying, rather riff, even if everything in me stops screaming. Awesome. Fuck. Oh, I love, I love hearing you read your poetry. Um, thank you again, Ashanti, so much for, for talking with me for even longer than we talked last time. Um, and uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, it's, it's really still gratifying and humbling and honoring that, that people actually pay attention, pay attention to this podcast and listen to it uh, and download it occasionally. Um, thank you so much, and I will talk to you all next time.